to the BMC Run and Reinvent podcast. I'm your host, Jill Perez, and today's guest is Erica Dean, IT Governance System Administrator for Pernod Ricard. We're joined by John Fulton, Principal Product Manager for BMC Helix Remedy Force here at BMC. So today, we're going to be discussing how BMC Helix Remedy Force is currently helping Pernod Ricard transform into a seamlessly connected organization. So John, I'll let you take it from here. Great. Thanks, Jill. And good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everybody. And Erica, especially you, thanks for joining today's call. Very excited about uh, today's podcast and having the opportunity to learn more about how Pernod Ricard has been able to begin that transition um, and really focus on being able to connect uh, with our customers and across their different organizations. For those of you not familiar with Pernod Ricard, Erica, can you give a little bit of background on your organization? Uh, absolutely. Um, so Pernod Ricard is a leading premium wine and spirits company. Uh, it's known for having the most comprehensive portfolio in the industry. Uh, Pernod Ricard supports its consumer-centric strategy with a decentralized model uh, that enables each market to focus on their own consumers based on cultural preferences and local ways of working. Great. Now, full disclosure here, Erica, uh, I am a customer mm -hmm. of yours, so I will try to be impartial <laughs> uh, with, my, with my line of questioning, but I, I felt it's important to, to let you know that I am, uh, I am a customer. Um, yes, with our, with our product <laughs> portfolio, uh, it's, I think we're, it's, it's very, uh, almost impossible, I think, for us to encounter uh, non-customers, but, uh, yes. but fair enough uh, on the disclosure front. Thank you, thank you. Now, the one thing you mentioned about the customer-centric strategy, can, can you maybe give a little bit more uh, sort of background on that? Because I think the reason I ask is I'm seeing more and more customers, or sorry, more and more organizations, you know, really focus on customer-centric. And it's not to say that organizations didn't focus on customers in the past, but it just seems to be, to have been elevated and a much bigger mm -hmm. focus. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, I think that, you know, today's consumer has access to so much more information, to so many more products. And so, uh, you know, ultimately what, what we can't rely on as an organization is someone knowing what products we provide and just kind of sticking with them, uh, not just from a loyalty point of view, but from an information point of view. And so by focusing our, uh, our business strategy on the consumer, we're focusing on what it is that they need so that we're creating that uh, relationship between the consumer themselves and our products uh, and, and creating kind of a more of a, a meaningful connection to the product versus one uh, I think that's established just because you know it's, it's a brand or it's a, a particular type of product uh, that they're generally aware of uh, without uh, being aware of the other options that are available to them. No that, that, that makes perfect sense and you, you think of in today's world you know customers have more options right and it's obviously important to have that differentiation and have that connection. So that, that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, in terms of Pernod Ricard in, in the business challenges, can you maybe highlight some of the challenges at, at a higher level that you guys are facing today uh, in terms of sort of growth and competition? Yeah, so um, Pernod Ricard is well known for its decentralized model. Uh, just about any time you hear Alexander Ricard speak, uh, he talks about the fact that we focus on uh, a non-centralized model that allows our individual markets to cater to their base of consumers. Uh, again, kind of reinforcing the notion that we're, we're centered around the consumers themselves. Um, 
Uh, however, from an IT point of view, uh, it presents as a little bit of a challenge because in a decentralized model uh, and, and which enables people to, to work in, uh, I guess, uh, relative to their, their local preferences and then their local ways of working, um, uh, that decentralized model pre presents uh, a little bit of a challenge to our IT organization, which is aimed at providing consistent and efficient support across the business itself. Um, we have 19,000 19, business employees worldwide, um, and ultimately what we saw uh, was the need for global processes and global ways of working to establish that, uh, the, 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 the streamline, or streamlessness uh, and the efficiencies, but in such a way that we were able to still accommodate local processes and um, be sure to continue to align with the decentralized approach that the organization as a whole, of course, is so focused on. Yeah, that's interesting because, again, not not being in this in this market, um, you know, but but I could see how this applies to other markets where, you know, especially as, as a global global company as Pernod Ricard is, and and the differences right in the different regions with sort of the interests and uh, cultures, you know, I think obviously it makes uh, it makes a lot of sense sort of the strategy of making those connections and, and having, you know, this agility, right? We talk about agility a lot of times mm -hmm. more from a maybe development perspective, but, but also from a organizational perspective and, and customer facing perspective to understand, you know, your customers and, and how to best interact with them. So that, that that's sounds like a very uh, strong approach that you guys are taking. Yeah, and I always kind of say, uh, when it comes to sales and marketing, of course, the way that you sell a product in the US uh, versus the way that you sell a product in France, it absolutely makes sense to have a decentralized approach. But when you kind of shift that concept into the IT world, um, the way that you fix a computer in the US, uh, given, of course, it's, it's the same model, uh, it, it's, it's the same way that you fix that same computer in France. And so uh, that was kind of what we started to, to realize and recognize and what kind of sent us into uh, a little bit of this journey to establish those global processes, um, again, while still maintaining uh, the opportunity to, to localize uh, where necessary. Right. And to this point, we sort of, you know, have focused on the, on the customer side, but now, you know, we mm -hmm. talk about your organization and from an IT perspective, can you sort of characterize, you know, your, your team and, and the IT group across, across the globe? Sure. Um, so as a global company, we do have a fairly comprehensive IT environment uh, with, that um, supports both global and local applications. Um, I think we'd be here all afternoon if I were to even attempt to list all of them out. Uh, we have several different data centers globally, um, of course, uh, with, with uh, 86 affiliates worldwide. Uh, we're looking at, you know, different networks, uh, all, all sorts of, um, I guess, different localized components. Um, and, and that environment ultimately supports our 19,000 employees across, as I mentioned, 86 affiliates. And we're doing that with an internal IT staff of about 600 people. Now, when you say affiliates, for those people that might not be familiar, can you elaborate a little bit? Is that sort of individual uh, companies that, that roll up to Pernod Ricard, uh, those sort of uh, individual groups that you referenced earlier? Yeah, so an affiliate is basically like a market company. So you have Pernod Card Global, uh, and then you have Pernod Card USA, uh, you have uh, Pernod Card South Africa, you have Pernod Card Winemakers. All of those are 
typically uh, localized divisions of the global company that are aimed at meeting the local needs of those consumers. Um, in addition to market companies, we also have brand companies um, that focus on uh, the, the brand itself, uh, a global strategy for the brand, um, uh, distribution, you know, those types of things. And I think when you talk about you know, this decentralized approach and, and these 86 affiliates, you know, and I think we'll get into a little bit more detail in a minute about this, but I can imagine the challenges that you've had, you know, when we talk about service management, whether it be a, a regional or global company, there, there's, you know, for lack of a better term, politics, right? There's different people wanting to mm -hmm. do different things, different processes, different views, um, opinions that they need to do things differently. You know, I could go on and on. So I can imagine, you know, as, as you were rolling this out globally, sort of the challenges that you faced uh, to overcome a lot of hurdles for this sort of centralized but decentralized approach. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of one of the other questions I wanted to ask was, you know, what are the challenges and pain points that prompted you. So if we sort of take a step back, I know you guys have had mm -hmm. Remedy Force for, for a little while, but before you adopted Remedy Force, can you give us a little, little bit of a picture of sort of what, um, you know, what were your, your challenges and issues that you were trying to address with an ITSM solution? Yep. Uh, so our initial motivation uh, when we kind of went into the process of selecting a new ITSM solution was quite simply the fact uh, that the system we were using had reached end of life. Um, so there were going to be no further improvements. Um, you know, support was was minimal at best and, and you know, was eventually, of course, kind of going to disappear. Um, and so uh, with with this particular system reaching end of life, we obviously had a pretty decent motivation to start searching for a new ITSM solution. Um, now, when I talk about the initial solution, I'm not talking about a global one. Um, this solution was uh, you know, initially intended for our affiliates in the North America and Latin American countries. Um, however, what ultimately happened is that after the successful implementation of Remedy Force for those regions, um, we were then able to kind of begin socializing and progressing the notion of globalization and transformation of our IT function. Were you able to, you know, through that success, because I know a lot of times when we talk about, you know, building out or establishing a service management uh, program, you really have to start somewhat small. So in this case here, small mm -hmm. being sort of within a few affiliates, were you able to, to get their support, you know, and, and have them be champions as you, as you sort of promote the successes to, to build that momentum uh, for the other, other affiliates? Um, so what's interesting is that, you know, so we had the initial implementation across North America and Latin America. Uh, it, it went well, it was successful. And so because of that, we kind of started the process of globalization and that, that first, um, I guess, expansion, if you will, was to our affiliates in France. Um, and in that initial approach, we basically said, okay, look, this works for North America and Latin America. So we're going to copy this, paste it. Uh, and now this is what you have. Uh, it works for us, make it work for you. Uh, and it was not successful at all. Um, you know, uh, as you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, when you're, when you're getting into uh, globalization and centralization of, again, a famously or well-known decentralized group, um, you're going to run into politics. You're going to run into, uh, you know, a, a handful of just different scenarios that you aren't quite prepared for until you're into them. Um, and so, you know, after that, 
uh, kind of initial approach of, you know, here it works for us, it'll work for you, we stepped back a bit and evaluated first and foremost, what didn't work uh, for the teams in France, because they had very valid um, reasons for why the system wasn't working for them. We stepped back, we, we asked ourselves, can we fix them? We discovered that yes, we were able to fix them. And once we kind of got them sorted out and got them reworking or not reworking, but working better, I think that's the, the best way to describe it, working better for the North America and Latin American regions, we were able to present uh, a solution to uh, another one of our regions, our Branco region, um, that uh, was a little more comprehensive, uh, that was a little more uh, well-rounded, and more importantly, maintained the ability to make adjustments for things that didn't, that they discovered didn't work for them through the implementation process. Um, and so that was really key from our side. Um, it's not just as easy as saying, you know, okay, we've got something working, let's move it forward. We really had to, to take the time to evaluate, uh, you know, the, the core product, if you will, that we were presenting to the rest of the group. And when I say core product, I'm of course referring to Remedy Force out of the box plus our uh, global configurations. So, you know, we, our goal was to present that and then of course the opportunity to uh, request modifications and to request new features and to request adjustments that allowed these teams to seamlessly transition from one of the multiple different tools that they were using onto the global, global platform. So, so when you went to the, the France affiliate and uh, said you're going to cut and paste, they, they didn't uh, welcome you with open arms is what you're saying? No, so exactly. <laughs> it was more or less a like, yeah, we'll give this a try. And then when yeah. it didn't work, um, you know, they had the very valid response of, listen, this does not work for us. Sure. Um, and, you know, we could have absolutely said, you know, tough cookies go with it. Um, but we took that as an opportunity, again, just to kind of recognize what wasn't working, uh, make it work. And ultimately, the overall, I think, implementation of Remedy Force benefited from that. Um, because as I say now, um, uh, is, you know, the, the best thing that I can bring onto the system is a new pair of eyes that uh -huh. hasn't used it before and can say to me, you know, hey, can we make this work a bit better? And it sounds like you're you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting you know the, the Salesforce platform with the out of the box Remedy Force capabilities, but also the ability to configure the different groups to align to their requirements. So it's it's not sort of a, a forced uh, you know set of tools and processes, but it's sort of an initial template and, and set of tools and processes that can be adjusted to meet their differences within each affiliate. Exactly. Can you talk about some of the, the impacts uh, of those challenges and pain points uh, on the business in terms of, you know, the, the fact that it, um, you, you weren't as connected as, as you needed to be and there were, um, you know, all these sort of different tools and processes? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, at the time that uh, Panori Card was selecting a new ITSM solution, um, of course, the business wasn't aware that our previous tool was no longer going to be supported um, and that it had kind of reached that end of life state. Um, our goal with the transition to the new ITSM solution prior to even the globalization aspect um, was to be consistent and transparent. Um, we didn't really want the business to know uh, what tool we were using um, or how it worked or the fact that we had changed from one system to the other because ultimately if you're providing seamless support to the end business user, uh, 
they shouldn't necessarily uh, have to, to be able to name what tool is providing them the support. They should just know that they are provided efficient support by their IT teams through a system uh, that provides them you know, with the information they need to be aware of updates and, and resolutions to their requests. Um, and so um, instead, uh, you know, with the implementation of the new tool kind of in alignment with that, what we wanted them to, to recognize um, was that they had a new and more efficient uh, way to connect with their IT teams locally and then ultimately regionally and globally. Um, you know, before we kind of embarked on the, the globalization effort, uh, in some cases, users uh, who might uh, work on a local application, but then also utilize another application that was being supported on a global level, would have to go to two different places to contact IT support. Um, our ultimate goal um, of uh, you know the implementation regionally at first, so across North America and LATAM, uh, was to make sure that our local users were able to very easily connect uh, to their their regional support team, and then ultimately with the the globalization, we were able to or we're, we're on our way to being able to connect those local users with their global support teams as well. Now, one thing you mentioned was, which I thought was interesting, and I hadn't heard it put this way, was that. You know the solution that you're positioning. You didn't want to let the um, business know of what tool, right? You were focused on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, providing, uh, you know, more efficient ways to connect, you know, through locally and regionally and globally. So can, can you maybe elaborate a little bit on on that angle and, and sort of what what you saw as a result of that strategy? Um, yeah, so it's, it's not that we didn't want them to know what tool we were using because we wanted to keep it a secret. We just didn't mm -hmm. think that it was information Focus. that they needed to know. Right, right exactly. Um, now, most people, uh, you know, particularly at happy hours, uh, when they ask me, uh, and I think this is probably a testament to that, when they ask me, oh, what do you do, you know, within the IT, uh, within the IT team, I say, oh, I manage Remedy Force. And I can tell you, most people say, oh, what's that? And then I say, you know how you get that email that says, thank you for creating this ticket? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's me. Well, not me, but it's this, it's Remedy Force. And so, you know, um, to me, that's a, it's, it's a sign of success. Um, they don't necessarily know what's doing it. They just know that they're receiving the communication that's necessary uh, to provide them with confirmation, updates, and then ultimately a resolution to the, um, to the request they're submitting to IT. Um, it's great if they know the system. It's certainly, uh, you know, not bad information to have, but ultimately, if they're receiving an appropriate level of support, it's not a particular detail that they necessarily care to be bothered with. Right, right. Uh, that makes sense. Um, in terms of, you know, when you were at the time, you know, realizing that your uh, prior solution was end of life, you know, losing support, mm -hmm. and you had to start to look at other solutions, not asking you to name other solutions, but can you provide some insight as to sort of your approach in, in identifying and selecting a solution? Uh, sure, so again, not able to necessarily talk specifics, um, but you know, when it comes to evaluating any form of a new solution across Paranoia Card, um, we do try to aim for that like Gartner magic quadrant. And so, you know, uh, you can kind of extrapolate that into, you know, understanding what different types of solutions we considered. Um, but for the most part, during the selection process, that's kind of where we focused on, um, you know, what tools to consider prior to moving forward. Um, that is kind of the process that we followed for 
the implementation of the replacement solution uh, in North America and in Latin America. Um, now, what's interesting uh, is that outside of that initial implementation, ultimately what we did is we enabled each region to select their own tool. Um, you know, again, kind of um, enforcing the fact that our goal is to, to aim towards products that are in that magic quadrant. Um, and then also kind of uh, requiring in the very least uh, that they shortlisted Remedy Force and took into consideration uh, the benefits that it offered from a global platform point of view um, in, uh, in addition to you know, the features that it offered out of the box. Um, because ultimately, um, you know, our initial decision to go with Remedy Force was based on the tool itself. When it came to the globalization, uh, a lot of our regions made decisions, of course, based on the tool itself, but also in addition to that, uh, based on the benefits that we were going to be acquiring through the implementation of the global system. Got it. And mentioning the tool itself, can you highlight maybe a couple reasons, uh, you know, why you cho chose Remedy Force? Um, Sure. Uh, so at the time that we were looking for a new ITSM solution, uh, Pernod Ricard had just launched Chatter. Um, and so the integration with Salesforce and with Chatter, to be quite honest, was uh, a major decision point. Uh, and in a lot of cases, uh, probably the primary decision point for us. Um, now, uh, from a technical point of view, uh, the, the pairing of Remedy Force with Salesforce uh, brings in so much functionality and um, what I kind of like to, to call de development by parts. Um, when you have a, a strong platform like Salesforce and an application that plugs into it, what you essentially have are two separate teams working to develop your overall solution. Remedy Force is able to focus on the ITSM front. Salesforce is able to focus on the platform front. And so when both teams are releasing new features, in my mind, you know, from a technical point of view, what you end up with are essentially two different teams delivering at the same time uh, in terms of new updates and, and new features. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond the connection to, to Salesforce and, and to Chatter, um, you know, we also chose Remedy Force because it was cloud-based. Um, and I think, you know, most importantly, particularly because we were evaluating an ITSM solution, not necessarily, you know, a platform option. Um, you know, Remedy Force for us had a lot of the functionality and features that we desired out of box or out of the box. Um, and then of course that integration opportunity and the, the customization options that we were able to get with Remedy Force being native to the Salesforce environment allowed us to, at that time, fill in the small gaps uh, that, that needed to be filled in to, uh, to fully adapt uh, Remedy Force to, to what we needed. One thing we haven't talked about is maybe the, the scope of how you're using Remedy Force today. Can you provide some insight as to, you know, what you're using today and even potentially, you know, where you think you're headed with the solution? Sure. Um, so currently our implementation is focused on incident and service request, change request, problem, and task. Um, as again, our primary goal right now is to provide a seamless end user experience to our business users for all services and supported applications. And so, of course, we have to be able to provide them with the ability to submit tickets, uh, receive updates, and uh, you know, be provided with resolutions to their requests. Ultimately, we have to be able to manage you know, some of those submitted requests uh, to a higher level of detail. And of course, that's where problem management comes into play. Um, 
Um, and then from there, as we are required to make modifications to our production environment as a result of uh, requests or, or reported incidents from the business itself, uh, we kind of venture into the change request module. Um, I think outside of IT, we do have a couple of, of non-IT groups that are also using the system. Uh, we have uh, a couple of teams with like uh, with key business contacts for specific applications, and so even though they're not IT staff, uh, they're kind of super users, if you will, on the business side. We've incorporated for a few teams their processes into the system to support that. Um, we've also incorporated a couple of our facilities teams. Uh, which is certainly not uh, IT related at all, um, but because uh, for a couple of our affiliates, the ticketing component Remedy Force offered um, uh, worked so well for them um, that they you know, asked to be able to expand the use to, to other teams locally. Um, but you know, for the most part, we focus on those four modules. Um, and uh, you know, ultimately, as those four modules have you know um, are implemented globally, and um, you know have developed essentially over the last two to three years, um, we're getting to a place where we can now shift um, outside of what's absolutely needed and start to incorporate the bonus. Uh, modules, as I call them, um, self-service, knowledge management, um, asset management. Those are probably our big three at this point. Now, one of the areas that, that I think, you know, and I know we've spoken a number of times, but one of the, the areas that I've been so impressed with, you know, you guys are, I think, a great success story. But one of the key areas is the approach that you've taken and the success you've had in, in a global rollout. And I know, you know as somebody that I, I've worked with customers and done implementations, it, it's, it's not easy. Um, as we talked about earlier, you know, you've got different perspectives, different intentions and requirements, different countries, you know, everything that's different, it creates, I wouldn't say friction, it just creates a challenge to uh, get alignment and identify where there needs to be these differences. So from a global rollout perspective, can you maybe provide some, some more color on, you know, what that journey has been from, from the beginning to where you are now? Of course. Um, yeah, it's been a very interesting journey. I talked a, a little bit about it before. Um, to date, we've actually systematically implemented Remedy Force for just over 70 of our affiliates. Um, this has required a very well-developed core configuration on the Remedy Force platform aligned with our globally accepted processes um, that, of course, as I mentioned earlier, also maintain the ability to make adjustments and concessions for local ways of working. Um, you know, at the start of our journey, uh, you know, we implemented across North America, Latin America, and kind of just went with this, you know, uh, copy paste method. You know, it worked here, it's going to work for you. It backfired a bit. We backed up, we did a regroup, um, and we actually uh, kind of reevaluated what we wanted our approach to be. You know, initially the goal was one tool for all of IT globally. Um, and what we realized uh, was that. Um, you know, we, we needed to provide people with a little more control over the decisions that they were making for their local teams. Um, so we backed off of this notion of a, of a global system and kind of said, okay, uh, maybe globally we don't have a tool, but we have five major regions across the world. So let's aim to, uh, by region, have a single tool. Um, because I can take an example, we had three affiliates in one particular region using three different tools. 
And so, you know, in the very least, consolidating to one tool across three affiliates uh, was, was progress um, and certainly successful. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with the regional tool selection, the notion was um, you get to pick whatever you want. Um, but in your decision process, we need you to take a look at what we've done with, with Remedy Force um, and know that, you know, essentially, if you turn the switch on tomorrow, this is what you would get. But if you don't want to turn the switch on tomorrow, you have this opportunity to make adjustments and get the system to not only help you deliver data and, and reporting metrics, uh, you know, to, to the global standards that we set across IT, um, but, you know, you also kind of have the ability to do that in such a way that it's going to accommodate the, the ways of working that are unique to your team. So we kind of strived to um, uh, help them not lose their identity, I think, in the overall process of globalization, which, of course, is, I think, a, a valid concern um, as you're kind of embarking on this, this scale of a project. So the situation was that we had many of our affiliates who were actually administering their own local solutions. They had a local admin, and their configuration was based solely on their local processes. Um, and so with the globalization of our ITSM solution, to a certain extent, we took an aspect of control away from our local IT teams when it came to how they managed their IT requests. Um, and so ultimately, what was essential to our success was the flexibility of both the Remedy Force and the Salesforce platforms, and uh, from a political point of view, our willingness to allow for localization wherever possible. Um, and sometimes localization is as simple as, uh, you know, this team needs an additional field. Well, we don't want to require it across the group. And so we can, of course, create that custom field and expose it only to that particular team via permission set controls. That's a very simple example um, when it came to workflows, um, because we essentially assign a regional code to each one of our, our teams. Um, what we're able to do is, is we're able to say, run this workflow if and only if this user belongs to you know, this region code. Um, and so we really were with the flexibility of you know, both Remedy Force and Salesforce, um, we, we've been able to allow for localization on a very small scale and on a larger scale as well. Um, Ultimately, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, what's happened is that we've actually, uh, you know, over time developed a really well-rounded ITS, customized ITSM solution that's capable of meeting both our global and our local needs. Um, every time I do a new implementation, um, they ask questions that haven't been asked before. And because they haven't been asked before, we haven't delivered on it. And so with each new implementation, what we are essentially doing to those that are already using the tool, we're bringing in features that they didn't even know that they necessarily wanted, um, if that makes sense. Um, and so um, I think in terms of benefits, um, the biggest benefit we've realized out of this process is absolutely um, the consolidation of our reporting efforts um, that are, you know, well on their way to allowing our management team to make global and cross-regional decisions regarding other IT topics from a common data set. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, if I take the brand codes, we had three different affiliates on three different systems collecting three different sets of data. And so if as a region, the brand codes wanted to make a decision, they would have to pull data from all three of those systems, 
combine them together, uh, map the data, uh, and ultimately, you know, it was it, it was it was a lot of time that was spent uh, trying to achieve something that, with the implementation of a regional and then ultimately a global tool, was made much easier. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. I mean, in, in terms of you know the approach you guys have taken again, sort of this. Um, standardized but agile approach where you provide the flexibility for each region. It sounds like some of the, the big benefits that you guys are having, you know, is that consolidation, right? So you have everything in a single tool uh, from a reporting and management perspective, right? That seems to be a big benefit. Um, and is there, I assume, is there any interaction across the teams in, in terms of being able to sort of share information? Is there any sort of synergies uh, across the affiliates with, with having everything in a single tool? We're getting there. Um, so the data, of course, is, is consolidated. That part's pretty easy. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, much more of, uh, it's much more of a change management process, I think, to get people to stop thinking in silos and start thinking across the various teams. Um, you know, as I said before, um, so the globalization process was not just from an ITSM tool point of view. The globalization process, um, you know, resulted in the regionalization of, of affiliates that previously didn't work together and now had to work together as a, as a collective region or, or sub-region. Um, and so uh, the, the process of uh, putting a common tool in place certainly made it easier um, and certainly kind of um, brought, brought into the picture the ability to, to break those silos and, and to, to communicate and share best practices across teams. Um, and, and of course, uh, people are a bit harder to change than systems are. Um, and so I think, you know, where we are right now is, uh, you know, we're certainly seeing that happening. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say, you know, that it's consistent across the group, but because we have a common system in place that allows the teams to see what each other are doing, um, it certainly opens up that opportunity for them to have more discussion. Uh, so, Erica, in terms of, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, where, where you guys were and, and where you are today. Can you talk about what your next steps are with respect to uh, BMC Helix Remedy Force? Yeah, um, so I think I'm slightly mentioned this earlier, the global implementation is not yet complete. So for right now, the focus is on having all affiliates connected via one ITSM solution. Um, we're looking at probably early next year uh, being the time frame for that. So we are very close to getting there. Um, now, saying that's the primary focus does not, uh, does not mean that we're not looking at other ways to expand uh, the way that Remedy Force is used for those affiliates that are currently or that are already on the platform itself. And so alongside the implementation, uh, we're continuing to explore the various other modules and features that are available from Remedy Force uh, to ensure that our adoption both meets the needs of our, our IT teams in support of the business, but then also takes full advantage of what Remedy Force has to offer. Um, currently, we're focused on uh, the implementation of the self-service portal and uh, knowledge management for those affiliates, again, that are already on, on Remedy Force itself. Um, and then we hope to be able to activate asset management uh, over, over the next 12 months or so. Um, going back to the notion of, of sharing best practices um, with the implementation of self-service and knowledge management, this is really where we're kind of trying to start to influence that communication across teams. 
Um, and so we have a couple of teams that have seen a lot of success with self-service and knowledge management. And so we're using their success as a, an opportunity for those affiliates that maybe aren't as strong in those areas to learn from what these teams have done to be able to implement it successfully and then be able to, again, not copy paste, um, but adapt what they've done to meet the needs of their, of their local business users. Now, if you had one quote to provide for how you feel about the value, I know we've, we've, you've touched on quite a few of sort of the benefits and outcomes, but you know, what would you say if you, know, if you had to provide one quote about uh, the solution and, and how it's helped your organization? Uh, well, first of all, asking me to consolidate everything to one quote, I think is slightly unfair, <laughs> because as we have probably been able to tell, I, I like to talk about it. Um, no, I think ultimately, you know, Remedy Force is, is helping us connect our IT teams on a global scale, allowing for consistent reporting that enables management to more easily make decisions with cross-regional and global impact. Um, most importantly, it's connected the business our customers um, to our global IT organization. It's provided them with a more seamless and efficient way uh, to obtain re resolutions for and uh, fulfillment of their IT requests. Okay, we'll say that was one quote. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's kind of two, but maybe just one long one. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's excellent. And again, you know, it's, it, we really appreciate, Erica, you, you spending the time with us. I mean, the, the, there's so many different sort of areas to, to, that you've highlighted in terms of, you know, the solution, the technology and how you've leveraged a platform to be adaptable, right? I think that's one of the key, mm -hmm. key themes here is the ability to adapt to each region because they have different needs, they have different customers and both Remedy Force with the configurability and the Salesforce platform support that. Um, the consolidation, you know, and having the data and getting to a more consistent set of data and also, I think your point about connecting, uh, mm -hmm. connecting to to the business, right? That's sort of making that connection and connecting the teams, and really building that synergy. And then you also just mentioned improving decision making. I mean, those are just a few sort of the highlights, you know, that that mm -hmm. uh, I think make your story, you know, compelling and, and interesting. Uh, you know, be interesting to beneficial to to other customers. So, again, we really appreciate the time. Uh, and Jill, I think that's it. Great. Well, thank you, John. And a very special thanks to Erica Dean from Pernod Ricard for joining us today. It was a pleasure to have you on with us, Erica. So thank you, like John said, thank you so much for sharing your awesome story with our audience. Of course, thank you. Yes. And uh, to our listeners today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. But that is a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to the BMC Run and Reinvent podcast. Have a wonderful day.